0: Christ clean me, yeah. Christ clean me, yeah. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 Christ clean me, yeah. Christ clean me, yeah. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, yeah. listen, yeah, I ain't got a stain on me. 'Cause it's all by His grace, homie. Gave His righteousness, and I'm spotless. Didn't earn it, but I still got it, yeah. Not by my works. Now I'm in His church. Ain't nothing I could earn. Did it by His own. Yeah, you know I didn't deserve. I'm singing out. Christ, clean me up. Christ, clean me up. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 Christ clean me, yeah. Christ clean me, yeah. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christ clean me. I was a mess, my goodness is unworthiness, but now I'm feeling brand new, I ain't worried about a thing, His glory now I'm saying, yeah, got a new mind, got a new heart, glory to God, who art, worthy of all praises, by tongue, tribes, and nations, he dressed us in this white robe, his righteousness we now clothe. glory to God and Christ alone, glory to God and Christ alone, y'all. yo grace and peace guys and welcome back to another episode of all things theology it's your host k-dub today we're going to be talking about katherine kirk uh tim ross and stephen ferg before we do that i just got back i just got back from atlanta you know and i don't know why i have the need to say Bankhead, shoddy, you know, trap house. You know, I just been saying that since I got back from Atlanta. No, it was a good time hanging out with brothers, sisters. We did a Atlanta meetup, man. It was man, we had such a good time. You know, the only bad thing about it was it wasn't longer. And so, man, we need to do like a content creator conference. April Chapman hit me up with that idea. We were talking about it yesterday. And man, I think we should do that. Oh man, it would be such a good time. Speaking of that, speaking of hanging out with fellow image of God bearers, right? Image of God bearers, right? It is my assertion that many people fundamentally misunderstand the image of God and what's that what that entails. Allow me first and foremost to explain briefly in brevity Although if you will like a fuller exposition on this topic, I highly recommend Created in God's Image by Anthony Hokama. Check that out for your leisure and you will be greatly blessed. But what is the image of God? We are created in God's image, right? We share and I, I believe it largely has to do in what we share in, right? For a larger discussion. Also, uh, you know, do some study on what it means to uh, share in the communicable attributes of God, right? We share in some sense, although in a finite sense, not fully with things like love, we can love because God loves, we can, um, you know, display some form of justice and we, we we desire that because God is just, right? A lot of what man desires, uh, I would say all in, in, in that which is good comes from God, right? Although at the same time, we need to recognize there has been a fall. So though man is created in the image of God, that image is marred by sin. Can I get an amen to that? So it is not full even in that comparison. But we also have to recognize that the image of God, there are some things that it will not uh, we share in. And that is called the incommunicable attributes of God, right? God is omnipresent. No one, no man that has ever existed is omnipresent. Uh, God is omniscient. No man is uh, uh, knows all things. Right. Um, And so we have to keep that in in mind, because if we don't keep that in mind. If we don't keep it in mind, what we will do is blend and blur the creature creator distinction. And man starts to look a lot like God, and God looks a lot like man. Why am I bringing this up? You may be asking yourself. Well, I saw a post, and if you follow uh, the All Things Theology page and the community tab, you keep up with those things, you saw this post that I'm going to be referring to. And so let's bring this up here and let's talk about it, right? First on the list is our good friend of the show, Stephen Furtick, right? He states, if God is love, you're a love. If God is capable, you're capable. If God is forgiving, you are forgiven. You are made in the image of God. So what he is, you are. Now, as you can see, he got a lot of likes for this and applauses and shares and a lot of people seemingly like this post, but let me share why I think this post is problematic. Because not everything logically follows, right? It is true that since God is love, we, lo- we are love. We are the objects of his love. All right? Um, I would even argue um, it's not because we're lovable. It's because of Christ. So we have to even d- distinguish that. Um, same with the forgiven, right? Yes, we are forgiven because God is forgiven, but because he completed his justice, his wrath has been satisfied. So there's so much that needs to be explained. But the second one is very problematic because notice if God is capable, you are capable. Well, not so fast, my friend. (laughs) Um, I'm not capable. I am totally dependent. And like I said, this starts to blur the lines between who's really uh, God in this situation, and we'll see more about this next phrase. It says, "You are made in the image of God." Yes, that is true. Amen. Hallelujah. That is what the Bible clearly teaches from Genesis. So, what He is, you are. Well, that's where the problem comes in, because what God is, I'm not. I I don't share in everything that God is. Um. Again, God is omniscient. Does that? So so. Notice this post makes it seem like. So 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 I have a question I would like to ask Stephen Furtick. So he says, so what God is, what God is fully holy, transcendent above his creation. You are. So this this makes it seem as if we're God as well. Right. Which would be very problematic theologically. Right. You read through Isaiah chapter 42 or 40 through 48. It's really the trial of the false God. And there is no other like him. There is no comparison. There was no one on his level. But Stephen Furtick's statements (laughs) makes. I mean, I guess at best, uh, all creation. Gods, Uh, yes, this is little God's theology here being explained. And, you know, there has been statement where uh, Stephen Furtick did claim he is God almighty. At first, when I first heard the clip, this is why I never responded to it. Is because I thought he might have been caught up in uh, zeal- zealous preaching that he made a mistake, but after seeing that, after seeing that comment there, maybe it wasn't such a mistake after all.
1: Me, I'm not in covenant with a person. I'm not in covenant with a political party. I'm in covenant with God Almighty. I am God Almighty get that off you that's not your name that's not your station that's not your end it's in me it's in me
0: so he is god almighty again he is what god is very bad theology but Stephen furtick's bad theology you know it's, it's just every sermon, right? Every sermon, you can point out some of these bad things. Uh, I saw this clip on Twitter, which I thought was humorous, given what I'm about to play. You ever, you ever heard someone preaching? They're preaching hard, and y'all don't hear me doing all that, right? All the theatrics and much modern-day preaching. And the crowd uproars. And you listen to what actually said, and you're like, he didn't even say anything. Right. Much of modern preaching is done in that manner. So let's play this and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about here.
1: This fellow named Trenton, I hope he's there right now, wrote me this week and he serves at Lake Norman on a week. He serves, you know, Trenton, Trenton sent me a text. What meant the most to me is where he sent it from sitting in a wheelchair with cerebral palsy. He said, thank you, Pastor Stephen for preaching about Gideon, and thank you for the song, More Than Abel, because it means a lot to me, because I'm disabled, and God, God started speaking to me, he said, and God started speaking to me that I'm disabled, but when you said, go, in the strength you have, and I'm sitting in this wheelchair listening to that word, I realize if you take disable and put go in front of it help me preach this trenton if you take disable and put go in front of it what does it spell i said what trenton he said god is Able I declare it. where y'all at I declare it over your life God is able I declare it over your life God is able I declare it over your paralysis God is able I I declare it I declare it I declare it I declare it I decree it I establish it Now unto him
0: While he was decreeing, declaring and establishing it, he should have used a bit of God given logic. You see how I made the connection there? He says if you put go in front of disabled, it means God is able. And although we would agree God is able, let's try that with other words that have you know similar prefix, 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 prefix Prefect 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 Prefitter, 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 prefitter,
2: Can you hear me now? Hear me now, man. I got I got to get this figured out. I don't know how far y'all
0: got with me with my prefixes. Okay, let's let's try that again. Prefix, prefix. <laughs> let's try this again, right? With prefixes with the dis, right? Dis. Put go in front of discrimination, discriminating, and it is God is incrimin- God is incriminating, which would make God a criminal, right? Put go and let's try that again with another word, disembarrassed, right? Put go in front of disembarrassed (laughs) and it's God is embarrassed, which would mean God is like shameful of himself or something, right? Let's try another one. Disintoxicated. Put go in front of disintoxicated and it would make, and it would spell the word. God is intoxicated, right? Which we know that's not the case. God is no sinner, right? He is no drunkard. Let's try one more. This is my favorite one, right? Disinfected. <laughs> disinfected. Put go in front of disinfected. And what does it spell? What does it sound out? God is infected, which would mean he gives viruses or some sort of weird, you know, curse. Um, obviously that is not the case, and but this is the foolery logic that um Stephen Furtick just gave us as if this was, you know, he's saying I, I establish it, as if <laughs> Stephen Furtick can establish anything. You know, this is why the doctrine of the image of God is important because many of the prosperity gospel people, many of the charlatanists that we see like Stephen Furtick, twist um, twist this doctrine into something it is not, where they raise man to the level of God. Or worse, sometimes they lower God to the level of man. And you really can't see which is who. You know, I think of Kenneth Copeland and his theology where, you know, he was talking about God having body parts and, you know, he, he, he's no bigger than us. They're just making God on our level, right? And so there's a theology that they out there who wants to humanize God And there's also a theology that wants to deify man. So you have to be careful of that. Speaking of false doctrine, (laughs) speaking of false doctrine and false teachers, you know, Catherine Crick, she's a quite an interesting lady. Um, Yeah, she's an interesting lady, you know, because every time, time you know, I kind of stay out of the way of Captain Crick and. I see this video where she's asking the question, is it wrong to expose false teachers? And so I was like, that's quite an interesting question to ask. Is it or or she asked the question, is exposing ministers biblical? And so our channel largely deals with discernment and things like that. So I was like, huh let me, (laughs) let me watch this video. It's only like three, four minutes long. So I said, hey, this will be a good video to check out and watch. And boy, the eisegesis, the scripture twisting and weird Catherine Crick eyes was pretty interesting. Pretty interesting, if I must say so myself. But let's Watch this video together.
3: Philippians 115, it is true that some who preach Christ out of competition and controversy for they are jealous over the way God has used me. Many others have pure motives. They preach with grace and love filling their hearts. Yet, in spite of all of this, I am overjoyed. For what does it matter as long?
0: So hopefully you can hear that well. I I see that the volume is kind of low. Let me know if I need to raise it up a little. Let's start that over.
3: Philippians 115 it is true that some who preach Christ out of competition and controversy for they are jealous over the way God has used me many others have purer motives they preach with grace and love filling their hearts yet in
0: so if you don't know what she's reading from she's reading uh Philippians 2 Philippians chapter 2 uh uh actually sorry she's reading from Philippians chapter 1 we'll look at that here in a second
3: In spite of all of this, I am overjoyed. For what does it matter as long as Christ is being preached? If they preach him with mixed motives or with genuine love, the message of Christ is still being preached. And I will continue to rejoice. I think today we need to spend more time reading this scripture here. I think we've forgotten it in this generation. Whoa, he's saying that these people, these false ministers, these people... Preaching with not purity at all. Preaching with these horrible, selfish ambitions. He's, he's saying that we shouldn't say exposed. This person's already been exposed. You didn't know.
0: <laughs> well, uh, she imported a lot into the text. I don't know if you caught that. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1, right? Because she said something that the text is not trying to identify Uh, notice what it says. It's uh, Philippians chapter one. We'll start at verse 15. It says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. Yeah, and the translation she was reading from was very bad, by the way. I don't know what translation she was reading from, Uh, but we'll continue on. It says, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in an end that I rejoice. One of the things that she imported, that these people were false teachers, as, as if their teaching that they were preaching was false. The text never says that. Matter of fact, it actually seems to indicate that these people weren't teaching false doctrine. They weren't teaching a a uh, false gospel or anything, but rather their motives were bad. Notice what Paul said in for, uh, verse 17. Um, but thinking to inflict me in my imprisonment, right? So some way they wanted to hinder the Apostles Paul ministry. Not that they were teaching a false gospel or a false Christ, but Paul's like, <laughs> he's like the uh, this is the ultimate trump card. Paul's like, I'm still happy y'all preaching Christ, even if you're doing it from bad motives. Why? Because Christ is still being proclaimed. Not that a false gospel was being preached, false message. Again, I don't want to labor the point too much. This is dealing with the motive of the preacher, right? Not the actual content and message of the preacher. Um, but again, Catherine Crick is not an exegete. Um, she's not a, a Bible teacher, right? And it's and, and funny, something interesting. This is exactly what someone would say if they were a false teacher, right? (laughs) Don't address false teachers. (laughs) That's exactly what I would say if I was a false teacher. I would try to scurry around the Bible to try to find that message, even though it's not there. Uh, But let's let's continue on.
3: Well, here's five videos that explain all the reasons. Paul didn't say to do that. It's hard for us to understand.
0: Actually, he did. I'm going to give verses here shortly. The very thing she's saying the apostle Paul did. Matter of fact, let let me, uh, let me, uh, let me, let's look at this. Uh, Let's look at this. A few verses just on the exposing of false teachers. Paul Paul, Paul didn't say to do that. Okay, we're going to show. Philippians, same book of the Bible, Philippians chapter three, two to three. Paul tells the Philippian church to look out for the dogs look out for the evildoers look out for those who mutilate the flesh and contextually he's talking about the judaizers right the circumcision party but i have to do something real quick take you to the greek i have to take you to the greek because the very word here look out is uh scopeo which means to look at to contemplate right to regard attentively, take heed, beware, even consider, observe, watch. Right? You have other Bible verses. Uh, mark them. You, you, you matter, matter of fact, that's that's what Romans sixteen seventeen says. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division, creating obstacles contrary to the doctrine you've been been taught. Avoid them. Some 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 versions say to mark them right? Mark them who cause division. I um, thought I had another verse here. But yeah, this is the Bible's teaching. But Catherine Crick comes along because she doesn't want her false. She don't want videos about her being made. <laughs> don't talk about false teachers. The, Paul says not to do it. That's a lie. Let me show you some more evidence of this. You're like, okay, that's, that's it's still not uh, enough, right? It is still not. <laughs> I need more evidence. Well, you ask, you shall receive. Um, let me share this with you. This is DesignGod.org. There's so much in the Bible that tells us to uh, expose false teaching. In matter of fact, certain false teachers being called out specifically. Demas, 2 Timothy 4.10. It's being called out. Demons in love with this present world has deserted me. Paul calls them out specifically. Um, 2 Timothy 1, 15, Paul speaks about Phygellus and Hermogenes um, who deserted him, who turned away from the faith. Um, 1 Timothy uh, 1, 19 through 20, Hymenaeus and Alexander are, are exposed as people who are rejecting the faith, right? Paul calls them out. As a matter of fact, Hymenius is called out again with Philetus in 2 Timothy two seventeen to be these people to be silent; otherwise, their talk will be spread like gangrene. But apparently, we're told not to do this, even though that was Paul's example. Didn't Paul say, "Imitate me, as I imitate Christ"? Christ called out false teachers. He was constantly calling out the uh, the Pharisees and their religious leaders. So anyone coming telling you the Bible doesn't do this, one, hasn't read the Bible, or two, is clearly distorting the Bible, right? Um, And so her message is one that is not biblical. Every New Testament book deals with false teaching outside of Philemon, right? Every New Testament book deals with false teaching and, and dealing with false teachers. So anyone telling you that oh don't call them out it's not one to be, to be of the new testament church you know she talks a lot about being the new testament church acts church well church called out false teachers they didn't just let it slide right you hey, hey, we'll, we'll let it go and, and we'll see her so what she'd rather do is this we'll see that coming up
3: soon Understand why paul would say that right because it feels gross like come on justice these poor people are being led astray and going there where this... Uh,
0: I was thinking of this when I was watching this. If we're not to call out false teachers and false teaching, why is she even talking about it? Because isn't is isn't she just supposed to let what she's going to say later, God deal with it? Because she thinks it's a, it's a false teaching to address false teachers and their doctrine. Then why are you talking? This is a double standard message. It's like when people tell me, don't judge, and they go and make a list of judgments about my motives. <laughs> it's like, well, you just judge me. You're just saying not to judge. You're being hypocritical. I believe the Bible teaches us to judge. We just need to do it with right judgment. It's always funny when people give a double standard. You can't call out false teachers or teachings, but I ain't. Let me do it, because this is affecting my, my cha-ching, you know. And to them, I say this. ain't no weight,
3: Boy, ain't no way, boy. Minister has selfish ambition and jealousy? We need to let the people know! That seems more logical, right? First of all, God is the judge. We don't need to worry about justice. God's not okay with that. And these people are going to reap what they sow. But we pray and hope that they repent and that they can be used powerfully by God still. Like how Paul murdered so many Christians but he wasn't beyond being redeemed we leave the justice in god's hands and in terms of the sheep that were sad that are being led astray we just pray for them
0: i wonder how she would respond to the verses i just gave that told us to avoid such men they call them out by name they call them false teachers paul made a list quote unquote of people to avoid and those who adhere to these certain doctrines, to avoid them, mark them, expose them. In fact, that's what the Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter five, I believe, verse one. To expose the the evil deeds. Right.
2: Hmm.
3: And actually, the right thing to do is to shine so bright a light that those sh-
0: now watch this because I've heard I've heard similar um, teachings, but listen to this.
3: Sheep are attracted the more you can surrender your life to Jesus and be transformed into his image, the more he can entrust you with more and more anointing. And the more anointing you have, the more you're shining for him. People cannot help but look. And people who really do want God and who want to receive from God, like to receive miracles, to receive real spiritual food and the anointing, they will really see the difference they will see undeniably this is God like I've never seen before and they will simply be drawn that's-
0: so she says rather than exposing people let's just live a godly life and by virtue of living God li- godly life God will give us more anointing which that's not a biblical concept of getting more anointing that you know but nevertheless God will give us more anointing and by virtue of this being more anointed, people will be attracted to us. Is that the biblical message? Is that the biblical message? No. Matter of fact, one can argue more holy living will cause the world to hate you more, not be attracted to you more. The world is going to hate us. A slave is not greater than his master. If they hated me, they'll hate you, Jesus said. Not be, a, not be attracted to you so much. That No, there's nowhere in the Bible that it says that. But Catherine gives you a a counter-gospel message, a counter-Christian message, right? This is a counter-Christian message. It's not only not what the Bible says, she's promoting something uh, else, right? Very interesting
3: how it's supposed to be that if we see people with wrong motives it's not our job to be the judge that's god's job it's not our job to gossip to slander to speak bad about this person about this ministry but our job is simply to rest let god handle the justice department let
0: that's not even what paul is saying either because in the in the text paul actually calls out certain people <laughs> with bad motives so it's not that you can't even call it out Paul is is doing two things, calling out their evil motives, but hey, they're still preaching Christ. So I'll still be thankful for that. He's not ignoring it. He's actually dealing with it and actually still being thankful to God that a gospel message is going out. We do not do that with false teachers. We're not thankful for false teachers that, oh, at least Jesus is being preached. You know why? Because it's a damnable, message. A false gospel will send people to hell just as quick as atheism will, just as quick as a false religion will, right? We don't, we don't, oh, well, yeah, I know they're saying they're saved by works, but hey, at least Christ is being preached. No, we get in the, we get in that battlefield. We go to war with that false gospel and we deal with it. This is actually hateful, what she's actually, um, you know, preaching. This is hateful, a hateful message that you would just ignore false gospel, you know, and do the, well, I'll just pray for them message when people are on their way to hell. Why don't you pray for them and get in there um, and then stop trying to be an apostle or pastor or whatever you are, um, right, because the Bible doesn't call for you to do that as well
3: god handle his sheep that are deceived we know god's speaking to them and if they have ears to hear they'll hear him and we do our part so god can lead them to the right place where he wants them where there's anointing where his true spirit is
0: <laughs> i don't know why they clap that choppy message up where she's this seems like she's making it up as she goes along right just making this up as you go along, man. This is not the biblical message. As a matter of fact, we say, we say this to that. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? You eisege- uh Philippians 1, right? And then that bad eisegesis becomes the interpretive grid for which you are deceiving these other people and lying to them about.
3: Don't do the job of God. You do your job that God's calling you to do and shine your light brightly.
0: So it's not it's it's it's, it's not our job to call out false teaching. You got to explain why there's so much <laughs> false teaching being called out by the apostles. You have to explain that. Yeah, she just make it, she's freestyling. She's making this up as she go along. And they're just clapping. Yay! leave heresy alone yay it's okay we'll just pray for you my goodness
3: i want to help you out with with discerning right here now we should be looking for purity and gentleness and kindness and love and mercy you better be seeing that out of the ministers
0: we should be looking for a kindness love mercy i know she said it in a soft spoken voice but after she just told the people Don't worry about the false teaching that someone preaches. Just let God deal with it. That is actually unkind. That is not mercy. That is not gracious. It is a form of hate. It is a form of hate that you allow someone just, you know, to go through the false doctrine. You won't say anything. And as a matter of fact, it's cowardly. It's not only hateful. It is cowardly. Because... Most of the time, let's be honest, it's our feelings. Oh, man, we don't want to be viewed as judgmental, right? We don't want to be viewed as divisive. It's the false teachers that are divisive, not the people who warn the flock. Jesus was the most loving person, you know, God, man, that has ever walked this earth. And yet he dealt with false teachings in their teachings. He dealt with false teachers in their teachings. And we should want to model and be like Christ, right? What What was the popular phrase, you know, in the '90s to early 2000s? WWJD? What would Jesus do with false teaching? He would call it out. He would not let it go to the side. Yeah, the Marco, Marco. Unlike Catherine Creek.
3: You're looking to in terms of how they're treating others. They better be doing what Paul was doing. If you're seeing a
0: yes, we should do what Paul was doing. <laughs> like call out false teachers, right? Like Catherine Creek
3: minister expose and try to push someone down. that's not the spirit of God
0: Now notice she actually adds motivations to those who call out false teaching. The, the assumption is well if you're calling out for false teaching, then your motivation is to put them down. No our our motivation is right doctrine. I mean I feel like Paul in Colossians 1, the aim of our charge is love. My hope is that those who are in false churches, under false teachers, would come out, right? Because I've been in that, and I know the bondage, I know the immaturity that it produced in myself, and I would not want anybody to go 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 through that, right? So, I mean, it's it's easy just to assume someone's motive is hateful, and you know, you're, you're a Pharisee, right? Y'all saw my skit on the Pharisees, right? Anybody who calls out false, oh, you're just a Pharisee. The Pharisees weren't going around actually calling out false teachers, right? They weren't. They weren't. But Jesus called out them. The apostles called out false teachers, right? He says, are we cool with female preachers, pastors over here? Serious question, I'm new. No way. To that, I say this. No, 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 no. We are not cool with female pastors. The Bible does not teach that.
3: This verse that Paul teaches is pretty foundational. How it's not our job, let them preach.
0: That was not Paul's point. That was not Paul's point.
3: Let them keep preaching Jesus. Do not expose, do not talk against, do not judge. So when you're seeing people be this way, that should be indicator right there. You should discern right there. That's not the spirit of love. of.
0: Now, now notice, notice. She does the very thing <laughs> We're, that uh she's telling people not hey don't don't expose them don't warn them don't she, she's telling you to watch out for certain people right she's telling you to watch out for certain people which is very contradictory to her message I'm saying to watch out expose but she's saying no people who call out false teaching those are the people you need to watch out for which is an anti biblical message.
3: Mercy of goodness, of purity. Some of you have been listening to whatever anybody will say, but they're not carrying the spirit of goodness and purity and mercy and love. We should want to lift others up, not push them down.
0: We do not lift up people who promulgate a false gospel, right? We're, 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 see, see, the message of Christianity is not kumbaya. Can't we just all get along? That's not the message of Christianity. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I came to divide. Mother, right? Against son, daughter, mother, right? Brother. You know, he, he, he came, she Jesus came to, to divide. This is not an inclusive religion, a pluralistic, universalistic religion. Right? No, it is not. Our message divides. It divides the those in Adam. Versus those in Christ, the wheat, the weeds, it divides it. You know, you just need to be kind, right? This just need to be kind. This is the eleventh commandment in many churches: Thou shalt be kind. Thou shalt be nice, right? And anybody who isn't perceived as nice is a Pharisee or uh, you know, judgmental, right? And some some religious, right? right? We all, we've all we all heard that. Anybody who's called out false teaching, you've seen it on this channel. Look at the comments. Sometimes look at the chats, <laughs> right? People will call you religious, a Pharisee, all sorts of unbiblical categories because they don't like what you're saying that the Bible absolutely teaches. Yeah, Lawrence. She's basically saying, let people lie on God and you don't say, you don't dare say anything to correct them. Yeah, that's exactly what she's saying. You know, um, 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 Catherine, what about this? What about people who commit false prophecy? Right. What about people who commit false prophecy? You know, um, cause the Bible tells us how we are to deal with false prophets who come in the name of Lord Jesus, lying on behalf of God, by the way. But I would be curious if she was consistent, what should she say? You know, cause funny enough. If people started lying on her name, I bet she'd be more zealous to defend that, but not the name of God. Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, <laughs> old Tim Ross, man. You know? Every time I try to leave, something keeps pulling me back, me back. I tell myself, I'm going to leave old Tim Ross alone. And every time I tell myself that. You guys send me a video. Disturbing. Highly disturbing. <laughs> but nevertheless, I've been meaning to get this for over a week, but, you know, as many of you know, I was on vacation, and so I said, hey, I'll, I'll let it breathe. And while I was gone, I just see all kinds of videos popping up about it. I was like, wow, people really uh, are troubled by this. And I was glad to see it. I was glad to see that this was disturbing to many people. Um, wow, yeah. I saw this video, this sermon called "Qualified to Multiply," and in this sermon, Tim Ross takes the uh, the parable of Jesus, right, multiplying the fish and bread, right, and he turns this parable how on Jesus multiplying, which I believe just shows that Jesus is divine, right? That really just shows that he's the sufficient, he's creator, right? He is able right but nevertheless, Tim Ross takes this sermon about that and he turns it into how you can multiply your financial wealth um that is not what the sermon is about but there are some interesting points that I want to play. I'm not going to do a whole sermon review right but nevertheless nevertheless, let's check this out right here
4: going to break a generational curse and establish a generation. We're going to break the curse of poverty. We're going to break the curse of a scarcity mentality. You will be
1: blessed. You will have money. You.
0: Now, notice for Tim Ross, blessing is, 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 is uh, equal with having money. Right. Is that the biblical message that you're blessed just by virtue of having money uh absolutely not absolutely not that is not the biblical message and if you listen to this this sermon it was all about how you can be have riches but no gospel in this no no, no exalting of christ this was it was a very bad very bad message I guess that means multiply God. He has the gift of tongues and interpretation. By the way, that was not biblical tongues. That was just a lot of um, baby talk, I guess. But that's not biblical tongues. Biblically, tongues were an actual real language. Go to Acts 2 if you want to actually read that in context. But that has nothing to do with tongues. It's just foolery. But here we are, a minister of God doing this, right?
4: Multiply in this house, Lord Jesus. Multiply in this
0: Notice what he's multi- wanting to be multiplied? <laughs> Finances. You, these guys never ask for a multiplication in holiness, right? Monko. Monko. They never ask for a, a multiplication in knowing God deeper. It's always about money at the end of the day.
4: Oh Lord Jesus, multiply in the hearts, Lord Jesus. Break a spirit of po- 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 poverty, Lord God. Break-
0: and by the way, poverty isn't necessarily a curse. <laughs> the apostles were poor. <laughs> My goodness, by His message, he's saying that the apostles were under a curse. Jesus had nowhere to lay his head. My goodness, this is terrible. Spirit of scarcity, Lord God, let the people of God believe for
1: more. Do more in Jesus' name.
0: You know, it's almost as if you slap Jesus' name on it, and then that's good enough for a Christian message, right? That's good enough for a Christian message in many churches, which is terrible. Terrible. I feel like Charles Barkley. Terrible. (laughs) But it gets worse, guys.
4: Boy, does it get worse. I got bread in my pocket. I got bread in my pocket. I don't know who this is for, but I got bread in my pocket. I don't know who it's for, but I got bread in my pocket. It may be that you're just shaking off a generation, but I got bread in my pocket. 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 I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor have I seen his seed begging bread. I got bread in my pocket. 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 I got bread in my pocket.
0: All right, I, I, I can't. That goes on, guys, I am not joking, for about five minutes straight. For about five minutes straight. He goes on with this impromptu "bread in my pocket" songs, and and where's what do you what do you, just to let you guys know the bread in my pocket is synonymous with the the parable of Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish. So that becomes a uh, they turn that into a song about how you're supposed to multiply the bread, guys. The parable has nothing to do with this uh slang term for money. Right, has nothing to do with that. Um, but guys, it gets way worse than that. I was watching this sermon. I was just like this. No, 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 no. I'm just gonna play this. I'm not, I'm I'm gonna play it fully through, and then we'll respond.
4: the enemy did to a generation that didn't know what to do with they bread? He made them make it rain. But you know that the enemy is a counterfeit, right? He ain't the first one to make it rain. Literally, he's not the first one to make it rain. I could take you to Genesis to prove to you who the first person was that made it rain. But scripture said that manna came from heaven and it was bred to them. We don't make it rain on booty cheeks. We don't make it rain on strippers. We only reverence one stripper and that's the one that took off glory to put on humanity and then get butt naked on a cross to die for both you and me. The only stripper I'm in love with is Jesus. And he's the one that puts that bread in my pocket, that bread in my pocket.
3: Boy ain't no way, boy. Boy ain't no way, boy. What, bro? What are you talking about, man?
4: Hey, who
0: mans is this? Oh, hey. who mans is this?
1: Wait
5: a minute. Who are you?
0: Now, obviously, the reference to the stripper is very blasphemous and very bad. But I think there's actual something that many people have missed. I've only seen one other person talk about it. But we're going to go back through that and I'm going to show you how actually blasphemous it is. It's actually worse than you think. It's way worse than you can think and imagine. Once I point it out, it'll be obvious. But let's actually play this back.
4: the enemy did to a generation that didn't know what to do with their bread he made them make it rain
0: now this is obviously a reference to what he's going to mention later about strip strippers and so apparently god is making it rain just not in the club right so that point was problematic too but let's continue
4: But you know that the enemy's a counterfeit, right? He ain't the first one to make it rain. Literally, he's not the first one to make it rain. I could take you to Genesis to prove to you who the first person was that made it rain. But scripture said that manna came from heaven and it was spread to them. We don't make it rain on booty cheeks. No, 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 no.
0: You know, Transformation Church has a weird fascination with talking about sexual features a lot. I mean, I am not kidding when it's multiple sermons, I can point out to this language that they always are being used. But nevertheless,
4: let's continue. We don't make it rain on strippers. We only reverence one stripper.
0: Now, I was actually very offended by this point. Jesus is not a stripper. Let me show you how dumb his analogy is. You know, because I see how people have been arguing about this. Jesus didn't strip and give the people a dance show. He didn't strip naked. He was stripped. The comparison doesn't work. (laughs) The the comparison doesn't work. He was violated. He was beaten. You know, uh, a a shameful death in one sense. That's That's not even comparable to a stripper, which is sinful, which is literally sinful. My goodness, that comparison is terrible. You're comparing this undefiled sinner, or this defiled sinner, at that, right, uh, prostituting her body for shame with the Lord of glory. But guys, this the stripper part is actually not the worst part. I want you guys to catch this, right? I want you guys to see this.
4: And that's the one that took off glory to put on-
0: I'm gonna play it back so we can hear it in context.
4: We only reverence one stripper. And that's the one that took off glory to put on humanity and then get butt naked on a cross to
0: die for both you and me. Now that part was actually the most disturbing he sandwiched in it, he sandwiched this in the line with the stripper so I don't know if many people caught it I'm gonna play it one more one more time one more time so you can, so you can hear it
4: we only reverence one stripper and that's the one that took off glory to put on humanity.
0: We reverence one stripper who took off glory, right? Got naked, took off glory to put off humanity. My friends, that is heresy. What is this heresy called? This is the kenosis heresy. That Jesus stripped himself of divine glory, a divine attribute, and he had it no longer. Right? I mean, when you literally take off your clothes, you have it no longer. This is the kenosis heresy that has been propagated by many people. Uh, Bill Johnson at one point seemed to affirm. I don't know if he does anymore. But many people have propagated this heresy that Jesus stopped having some of the uh, full attributes of God. Right? I would argue since Jesus is fully God, fully man, he never stopped having these attributes. Jesus never stopped having the full glory of God. Let me go to a text. And by the way, if you would like a fuller explanation of this text, I highly encourage you to go to Brother Rick Rick Caldwell's channel for a full explanation of this verse. But let me go to this text here, Philippians chapter two, because this is very, uh, this is very applicable to what is being talked about. After Paul was speaking about being selfless and, right, have no selfless mind in you, right, pretty much, right, which is in Christ, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he he was God, did not count equality with God. So he possessed this, this attribute, right, he, he possessed equality, but he did not, right, walk around you know, and is our incarnation puffed up, right? I mean, that's literally what he's being warned about earlier here. All, all that, right? But emptied himself. So many people have gotten the kenosis, heresy, by not understanding Paul's argument right here by emptying himself. Because what we're actually going to see, the emptying is not like a pouring out, now the cup is empty. That's not what the emptying the emptying is not by virtue of subtracting something, but by a, a, a addition, right? But notice, Lewis, and Luther is going to say that, but empty himself by, how did he empty himself? By taking the form of a servant, not losing the divine nature, but by becoming a man, the incarnation, right? Being born in the likeliness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Right. So much we can get into there, but what actually Tim Ross communicated? Now, this does he actually know he communicated that? Is I, I I don't know, but he communicated the Kenosis heresy that Jesus stripped off his divine glory. Right. He he had it no more. He got naked. Right. And he lost the glory, the divine glory. My friends, that is heresy coming out of Transformation Church. But you know what? I'm not surprised because there's many heretical messages that come out of Transformation And this is why I push back on people like Tim Ross, uh, Michael Todd, because they are preaching a different Christ. A different Christ, right? Sensuality is promoted in the church. I mean, you can't tell the difference between the club and transformation church. You don't believe me? Watch this one.
4: In my pocket. I got bread 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 in my pocket. I got bread. I got.
0: You know what in the t-pain is going on in this church he's dipping it low bringing it back up slow i mean what is going on in this church this is not a church this is a club you know sometimes all people have to do to get people to enjoy in heresy is put it put it to a nice beat put it to a catchy tune right Put it to a catchy tune and make it sound good, right? And people will, yeah, they, they, they just jigging and dancing. And I have no problem with dancing. I have no problem with dancing. But what are they dancing for? Although I would say you probably shouldn't dip it in low in church, but nevertheless, even the zeal for dancing ...was over false doctrine that was literally just spread in their face two seconds ago. Two seconds ago, this man's talking about Jesus stripped off his glory. His favorite stripper is Jesus. And they're up there just having a good time doing the dougie and... ...all excited about that? Some man told them they can have more bread in their pocket and they're excited about that? Guys... In these churches, if you actually preach the gospel in there, many of these people would fall asleep. Because they're so used to being entertained by this kind of preaching, that true biblical preaching to them is boring. Guys, I would be in that just losing my mind. I would be like, I would literally be about to like, you know, punch the air, you know, like, I would be so appalled, so, so... I, like I said, not even having the words to speak for this. If I was in that, let alone Jesus, my goodness. I see why Jesus flipped tables in many churches. I see why he did in the Bible, and he would be doing it today in these churches because they make a mockery of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we we'll say, "You're getting riled up. You're getting you're getting passionate." Yes, I am, because my my Lord. My King, my Sovereign King was just blasphemed inside a transformation church by comparing him to a stripper by saying he he threw off his glory. He stripped off his glory. I yes, I am riled up about that. I am passionate about that. it It is frustrating. I mean, we already have to deal with false teachers and heretics and then, I mean, I, I saw where an unbeliever was like, see, this is why I don't go to church. And it's like, "Apartment is like, I understand. <laughs> but then I have to tell that person, that's not the church. That is not the church. That is not our God. That is not representative of Christianity. This is cultish. This, no, no Bible. Yeah, he gave Bible in the beginning, but out of context, he twisted up the parable Went to John six, twisted that up, and then only to give you bread in my pocket theme song? A little jingle? Jesus compared to a stripper? My goodness. (sighs) Terrible. And and I'm supposed to like cheer that on? No, no. You know, and this is why I do what I do. So my hope is that someone who was there Maybe they will look, come come across this video and say, I never thought of that. Yeah, that, that is bad. People need to be discerning. Discerning when they're listening to these passages. Is this what the Bible says? Jesus is referred to a parable, parable as some kind of stripper, which is immoral, by the way. Immoral action. Jesus is The fact that he said that was very, you know what? It was disgusting. It was disgusting and disturbing. Anybody in that church right there should have been, should have walked out. If this was ever to be said at my church, I'm walking out or I'm confronting you right after you get out that pulpit. Thankfully, I'm in a biblical church and I know these golly men would never compare Jesus to a stripper saying he, he threw off his glory. Jesus is God, (laughs) He never stopped becoming God. He didn't lose or take off his Godship. He didn't take it off. Fully God, fully man. The hypostatic union. Right? Sweet communion. No fear of God. Terrible, terrible. But we're not done with Tim Ross. We're not done with Tim Ross because um, I was listening to another video. I was preparing to get to this quite some time ago. And he was recently on Ruslan's podcast talking about T.D. Jakes. If you don't know T.D. Jakes, T.D. Jakes is a mega church pastor here in the Dallas area. He's not too far from me. Um, he's been controversial over his um, oneness theology, right, in the past. But not just that, there are many problematic things with T.D. Jakes. Let's not forget his prosperity gospel preaching. It's almost like we, we forget that, okay, you know, he's offered up confusing statements on the Trinity. He's still a prosperity preacher, right? And so I want to play this um, this uh, beginning. Tim Ross was uh, interviewed by Ruslan, and I want to share Tim Ross's background. So let's just play this here.
4: Julia and I met at Potter's House in the youth ministry. We were there for 13 and a half years. I learned a lot grew a lot over that time. Mm -hmm. Like I would not be me if it wasn't for those 13 years there. I served the last four years as a young adult pastor, uh, after being like a, a youth evangelist would probably be the best term for it for Mm -hmm. about three
2: years. Was that your first role like informal ministry was at the Potter's house? The
4: first pastoral role that I ever had was at Potter's house. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um,
0: so just for clarity, um, Tim Ross background is coming along or coming from, right, his first pastoral ministry was at the Potter's house. And I think he was alluding that he was there for 13 years. I think that's what he was alluding to. Nevertheless, that's his background, right? That's his background. Um, so just want to make that clear, right? So let's
2: keep playing.
4: You know, after being a youth evangelist for three years, I was deathly afraid I was going to run out of stuff to say as a pastor. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm not just like speaking here and then moving on. Mm -hmm. I got to sit here and build. Yeah. And so that's when I understood, like, oh, you can do a sermon series Mm -hmm. and your conversation doesn't actually have to be done. And Mm -hmm. you can walk through an entire book if you want to. Mm -hmm. Let's walk through Galatians, you know, let's walk through Ephesians, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so after four years at PH, I transitioned To go back on the road as a itinerant speaker and during that same time so this is 2011 now Mm -hmm. so I i was a young adult pastor from 06 to 10 and then uh went back on the road january 1st of 11 started attending gateway in may of 11 and then they brought me on
0: So he's, so he transitions from Potter's house to gateway, which is Robert Morris, uh, which he pastored, Robert Morris pastors gateway, just in case you didn't know, um, Robert Morris, uh, the king of, of, of tithing, right? He's, he, that's one of his central messages at gateway is tithing. And you know, that's where Mike Todd got the statement that Jesus is God's tithe. Um, Another false teacher. So he goes from, (laughs) what's the equivalent, you know, not glory to glory, but from (laughs) false teaching to false teaching. Right? One bad church to the next. Again, this is the product of what Tim Ross has come. He's never been under sound biblical preaching. But we're going to get to that in a second.
4: Staff, July of 12. Mm, That's pretty quick.
2: Yeah, it was pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was there a, a, a huge... Contrast between young adults pastor at Potter's House to itinerant speaker,
4: you're traveling around. Yep. To now you're on staff at Gateway. Yeah. No, there there was not really um, the contrast that most people would think. Okay. Like most people think, oh man, you had to have culture shock going from Potter's House to Gateway. Sure, sure. And I was like, yeah, no, not really, because 70% of the churches I preached at were predominantly white, Mm, even while I was at potter's house Potter's house. okay so i was never i was really never really like the i didn't really fit the mold of like the quintessential black pentecostal mm-hmm. young preacher mm-hmm. that would have been doing like the black church circuit got it like what, i was what, like why why do you think that is because i needed you to know what i was talking about <laughs> like <laughs> like i, I wasn't I'm just, allowed to laugh at that tim Dude, uh, there's no cap. Like, (laughs) I I wasn't about to give you, like, you know, a basic little tidbit point and Mm -hmm. then start hooping. Mm -hmm. So
0: apparently, bread in our pocket isn't the little tidbit point. That's supposed to be a deep message, I guess. But if you listen to that sermon, I I would argue, from all the sermons I have heard of Tim Ross, they are actually that. They're very uh, surface level. All
4: of that, right? And God came down <laughs> and said, yeah. I was taught to do that. Yeah. It, didn't fit. Yeah, it didn't fit. I'm like, nah, fam, <laughs> if I'm a hoop, it's going to be informed. Like if yep. we're going to have a praise break, yeah. you're going to know why. Yep. But what you're not about to do is praise break for 30 minutes and yep. walk out and be like, I don't know what he said. Yeah. That's exactly what have happened.
0: If I would've heard the bread in my pocket stuff, <laughs> right? That's exactly what I would've walked out. What was this about? Right. But there was other things in that interview that I thought was very interesting. Um, so let's play this and listen where we'll provide uh, more commentary on that. But, but I think it was important to see his background comes from T.D. Jakes and Robert Morris. I remember
2: watching, you ever watched The Elephant Room? Yes, okay. So
0: The Elephant Room was a conference, you know, a decade ago, probably longer than that. At least a decade, at least a decade ago. Where it was the who's who's of pastors. It was a, a young Stephen Furtick was there, uh, James McDonald, um, Matt Chandler, TD Jakes was there. Um, a lot of pa- a lot of pastors were there at this conference, and this was a lot of it was just discussing, you know, the different backgrounds and things like that. And so, um, so yeah, uh, maybe one day I'll have to. Uh, I-, I thought about doing this, uh, discussing. Yeah, Mark Driscoll was there. Um, I, I think it'd be interesting to look at some of those uh, little sessions, maybe, maybe one day.
2: I don't remember which episode it was, but it was either Jake's or another gentleman they had on that said this really interesting point. And he said, the biggest difference between the black church and the white church is that the black church doesn't have the luxury to argue and fight over theology in all the particulars about the areas we disagree in because there was a season where the black church just needed to survive oh for sure
0: now i'm going to respond to that uh because i think i think uh tim ross is gonna um say that but he's gonna play td jakes uh playing that as well and and i don't think i don't know i don't know if uh ruslan was agreeing with that but he's just saying that's what td jake said um but I, I am going to respond to that
5: I think that That's fellowship
0: nice. is easier. And you hit this over dinner and it... Uh, so th- this, this, this is the clip of T.D. Jake saying that. So, so here you go. It's insightful.
5: Well, well, well first of all, uh, as a minority and, and the world with which I have influence is not only African-Americans, it exceeds far beyond African-Americans, but in regimes outside of your own, but particularly with, with African-Americans, minorities don't have the luxury of bickering about everything like that. We, we couldn't afford to do that. It was not unusual for Trinitarians and Apostolics and pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, no-trib to come together and work together, or we wouldn't survive.
0: Well, that statement—it's kind of blurring the lines on some things. One, one, there were a lot of sound Black theologians who who passionately concerned about um, sound doctrine. I think of one during the during the context of slavery, Lemuel Haynes. He was a uh, black Calvinist. Uh, shout out to my my heritage in one sense, who who pastored in the uh, 1700s through 1800s a white congregation. Hmm. But so let's fast forward to the time he's talking about, mainly around the time of MLK. Why you had a lot of people who had different theologies working together is because of things like liberation theology. I'll get to that in a second. But things like liberation theology cause people to lay down their theological concerns and, and and primarily be more concerned about social work. Hence, things like the social gospel form, right? So, the fact that they did it is not virtue that, or is not a, a sign that it was good to do. You, you, you're just describing something that happened, but it's not whether it's true or right. Uh, but even, even though I was still pushed back on um, many uh, black people still being concerned during this time period about theology, he's pretty much saying black people didn't really care about theology because we had to just survive. Black people were concerned about theology.
5: It's not that we don't have an opinion. It's not that we're not intellectual enough to have the debate. Our survival instincts necessitated that we uh, come together or we would be totally destroyed. And so if we were going to get anything accomplished in the earth, we, we have to have some camaraderie that crosses over barriers where you seemingly are trained to esteem your principles above people. We tend to be trained that, That reflecting Jesus' love is loving what Jesus loved, which is people.
0: Yeah, Jesus loved God's word. He loved the truth, right? And so all this is actually irrelevant because that's not the context of T.D. Jakes is in, right? He's not in slavery. He's not in the Jim Crow era, even though there were people in that era that didn't have this thought process. For one, all black people aren't monolithic. So don't don't speak for don't speak for us, don't speak for everybody. Right? So but again, you're not in that context. So wh- why are you wh- why are you avoiding it for yourself? Right?
5: Mm-hmm. Uh, irrespective of of their principles, we can work on the principles as we go, but he died for the people. He had the law. He died for the people. And and if we get that backwards and we lift the laws higher than the people, I don't think we really reflect the heart of God.
0: It is theology that informs how we treat the people. So, see, this is social gospel liberation theology coming out, where it's the people over the truth of God's word. And, and, you know, we just want to feed the homeless and, you know, do all these liberation projects, which I'm totally fine with. But it's my theology that informs how I live. So many people have it backwards. Again, this is classic liberation theology coming out.
2: When you look at Jake's...
0: Black liberation theology at that.
2: And even the reason why they had him on there, yeah. on that elephant room was like, hey, like where Wasn't you- that because he was oneness? It was, well, that was kind of the thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he went on and he affirmed that he was Trinitarian. Yeah. But even in the replay of that, and I went back and looked at it, it was like, ah, is, he re- is, he- is he using coded language to...
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna play here in a second. T.D. Jakes actually gives a confusing statement because they press him on the language of, of Trinitarian versus oneness. And you're gonna hear him try to, you know, he wants to, <laughs> I think it's for for uh, the looks, right? He doesn't want to be viewed as a heretic, right? So he try he tries to give them an answer he wants, but then immediately he contradicts that, right? So let me actually play this here. You're gonna see what I'm talking about. I'll just play it straight through. ...in three ways. Or one God, three persons, um simultaneously Eternal, existing. Etern- so they're asking him, hey, is God one person manifesting in three ways? Or is he or is God one being three persons, right? Eternally existing. Listen to this answer. Eternally. So your best understanding now, and I understand there is some mystery for sure. Would you say it's one God? manifesting himself in three ways, or one God in three persons.
5: But I, I believe that, that neither one of them totally get it from me, but I think the latter one it's, it's where I stand today. One God, uh, three persons? No, one God, three persons, one God, three persons. And and here, here is why I am there. I don't, I'm not crazy about the word persons. And this is, most people who know me know that that is really, my doctrinal statement is no different from yours, except for the, the, the injection of manifestation. manifest instead of persons, which you describe as modalist. And I describe as Pauline. When, when I read. So
0: I'll, I'll stop it there. So. They ask him about the Trinity and it seemed at first he was saying, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm more there. I'm, I'm right with you. But then he says, well, actually, I'm not actually comfortable with the term persons when describing, you know, God, which, you know, the Trinitarian position, but he's comfortable with the term manifestations. I'm going to show you that because someone says, where is he today? <laughs> ask and you shall receive. Look at this. This is T.D. Jake's doctrinal statement. This is the Potter house. If you can see here, um, Bishop T.D. and Miss Sarita Jake's belief statement right here. The church, Potter's house. There's no question this is his website, pottershouse.org. Belief statement right there, right? Look at the section on God. He's not comfortable with the term persons, but he will use manifestations. Listen to this. It says, there is one God creator of all things, infinitely perfect, and eternally existing in three manifestations, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, if anybody knows anything about the controversy over Trinity verse oneness, this is actually classic oneness, sabalian, uh modalistic terminology, right? Mo- this, is, this is classic modalistic terminology. In modalism, you have One God, right? So they are, um, you know, there is one God in this system, right? One God, but this one God, he reveals himself, and by one God, I mean one person of God, reveals himself in three different ways. (laughs) Uh, Father, at some points in human history, it is the Father. Then the Father... Manifest uh reveals himself in another way, the son. Right? So during the incarnation, the father manifested himself into the son, and during the uh the rest of redemption history, which would seemingly be now, the uh son is revealing himself as the Holy Spirit, but it's the same person doing that. That is much different than the Trinitarian position. One of the huge problems with oneness or modalism is that you actually don't have an eternal son or eternal spirit for that matter. But the Bible says we have an eternal son. There are major problems with modalism. And funny enough, if you watch the Elephant Room, T.D. Jakes actually admits to it. Like at Jesus' baptism, you have all three Present there, you have the the Father speaking from heaven. The Spirit descends on, on down like a dove, and then you have Jesus being baptized in the water. T.D. Jakes admitted that, hey, that's a troubling passage for my my tradition, right? But he still doesn't want to use persons; he rather use manifestations, which is more in line with oneness modalistic Sabellian classic modalism history. Right, has taught this Roger Perkins. David Bernard. They've all used this language. Right? They've all described God in the oneness um way using this this term manifestations. And uh TDJC tries to go to the uh, passage in Timothy where it talks about God manifesting himself. <laughs> that is much different than the language of modalism that's being described. But we will get back
2: to I remember why
0: this here um Let's
2: get into it. Right. Not really true. Trinitar- and that caused a big caruffle. In, and yeah. in, 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 in hindsight, it's like, well, what is he? Is he one is, is he yeah, Trinitarian? Yeah, yeah. And he will tell you that he's Trinitarian. Yeah. I think, what is it?
0: I, I don't I don't know if I've ever heard TD Jakes ever describe himself as Trinitarian. How he gets around this issues of God is he says, well, I see kind of both sides. I'm more in line with here, but I don't want to use, uh, you know, language of persons. To me, that's just compromising both sides and you're not really willing to be honest, right? You're not really wanting to be honest about that. And I'm not talking about Russo, I'm talking about TD Jakes. Um, You know, to me, it's just compromising for both sides. Like You're just willing to, hey, so both sides will kind of affirm you. Uh, He does that, I believe. No, but his background is clearly uh, Penteco- UP, UPI, uh, United Pentecostals, uh, background T.D. Jakes. And so um, I don't, I've, I've never heard T.D. Jakes say, I affirm the Trinity. And especially if I taught something that was blatantly false, I would be doing many messages speaking of my affirmation. But you don't have that with T.D. Jakes. Could you imagine someone saying, I'm not comfortable with the language of salvation by grace through faith? But you know, I don't affirm salvation by works. I'm closer to salvation by grace, but I'm just not comfortable with that language. Many people be like, "Okay, you actually you're causing more confusion. You're not being very clear on what you actually believe." That's what I believe. We saw with TDJs. Jakes.
2: He's like he doesn't like the phrase. uh, I don't. There's like some particular word. He's like he didn't like the term "persons." Were persons or right. or something right, like right, that, right? Right. 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 But right. then, when he sat there with Mark Driscoll, he yeah. affirmed what seemed to be Trinitarian yeah. Orthodox doctrine. Yeah. And so, do you think some of that is like, man, we just had to survive?
4: Yeah, bro. Like, like we
2: like we're not saying orthodoxy is not important. Correct. We're just saying through this cultural lens, and we weren't really a invited to a lot of these other institutions. Correct. You know, where I believe it was Martin Luther King Jr. wanted to go to like a conservative seminary and he yeah. wasn't allowed to yeah. and then ended up going Can you to,
4: imagine you know, that yeah. his mind wasn't yeah. let into that type That's of crazy. institution? That's, and he ended
2: up going to a more liberal
4: progressive.
0: Yeah, it is true that that was the case in the day of MLK. But a few things. MLK comes from a conservative home. So it wasn't like he wasn't exposed to Trinitarian beliefs and things like that. His father, do you know how Martin Luther King Jr. got the name Martin Luther? <laughs> his father's name is actually Michael King. Michael King, the father of MLK, changed his name to Martin Luther because he was so impacted by Martin Luther, right? the the uh, the the reformer He changes his name to that. He's impacted by his theology, his uh, practice. And so there's no question that uh, MLK Jr. grew around conservative principles and values. It doesn't seem that his father was an anti-Trinitarian, as far as I can understand. And so, yeah, MLK denied that the Bible is the word of God. He denied the virgin birth, uh, the bodily resurrection. He had a liberal view of scripture. And so I don't think we can excuse all this by saying he wasn't allowed to go in these conservatives because you had, even through that day, many brilliant black thinkers, seemingly his father. So I just think that's interesting. But even if I grant that, even if I grant it, okay, MLK will put aside, right? What does that have to do with T.D. Jakes? (laughs) To me, it seems like, well, okay, T.D. Jakes has no excuse
2: which yeah. seemingly formed some of his theology, yeah. you know?
4: Yeah. So so that is historically accurate. I think the African-American church historically was a community born out of necessity, mm. right? It wasn't optional. Mm-hmm. It's like, if we don't have faith, mm-hmm. we're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. We're going to die. Mm-hmm. We're going to break down mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. maritally. Mm-hmm. You name the Lee, bro. We were... We were in that Mm -hmm. so so I think that's I think that's very accurate and even as it has progressed today it's like yeah like like the whole time like when when Bishop Jakes first got to uh Dallas Mm -hmm. his Wednesday night Bible studies had 5,000 people Mm -hmm. and he was teaching oneness Mm -hmm. doctrine Mm -hmm. like blatantly Mm -hmm. like it was like you know if if ice is frozen it's water. Mm -hmm. If it's steam, Mm -hmm. it's water. If it's water. Which is kind of like a modalist illustration. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, right? I'm actually glad this was said because that, yeah, that absolutely is modalism and T.D. Jakes has not retracted any of that. Right? As far as my understanding. But the very thing Tim Ross says is modalism, his boy, Mike Todd,
4: taught. Say it like you mean it. One God, three expressions. This is H2O. You say ice? If we go down to its basic form, this is H2O. Now, it's in a different form than the liquid version, but this still is. This is a different expression. This is H2O2. It's dry ice, and it's a different expression. So if that was God the Father, God the Son, this is God the Holy Spirit. Still H2O, but it takes on a completely different Oh uh, and this is what God is about to do in your life. You're about to see evidence
0: of the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me explain why that was very problematic. Because some people make what's the problem? This analogy actually teaches the heresy of modalism. What is the heresy of modalism? That the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are actually the same person in different modes. Just as the water analogy he gave. That they're not three distinct persons, three different expressions which is the language he said to the T. Classic modalist understanding. Now, the very thing... Tim Ross said, hey, that's modalism. His boy Mike Todd Ta- taught Ta- Ta- as oneness theology. Now, I let me be fair to Michael Todd. I just think the guy can't teach and is super confused. He shouldn't be teaching. Does he know what he's talking about? No. And you can watch my full sermon review. Um, you know, you can watch my full sermon review of, of that sermon. I, I went through all that, but he clearly teaches modalism and yeah dry ice is not h2o it's a it's even a bad example uh, of it etc but yeah let's back to the clip
4: watch let's uh let's see where we're at like i i was learning i was growing
0: oh uh, let's see mm-hmm. it's water
4: yeah. if it's water which is kind of like a modalist illustration yeah, yeah, yeah right, right? Yeah, yeah. and so i'm sitting in the back going you right on that mm-hmm. i don't agree mm-hmm. i i've always been trinitarian mm-hmm. right so but it wasn't like, I have to leave this church. Right. This dude's a heretic. Yeah. yeah. It was like.
0: Now, Ruslan's going to ask a good question here in a second, but notice he doesn't feel like the. He doesn't believe that the issue of who God is, Trinity, verse one, is important enough to leave the church. Um, Let's check it out.
4: It was, no, this community. Was popping. Yeah. Like I, I was learning, I was growing, yeah. and there was some stuff even in my twenty year old mind, church popping. Um, in my, I wasn't twenty years old, but in my twenties, that I was like, man, eh, eh, no, yeah, I'm not a man in that, yeah. but I still rock with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? People D- be leaving over. Do you think crazy?
0: People be he's going. People leaving over crazy crazy things. <laughs> who God is? That's a crazy reason to leave a church. Who Who would have ever thought? that someone will leave a church over the nature of God. If that's the case, what's wrong with going to a Mormon church? I mean, they got a different view of who God is. You know, they're polytheists. Once you open the Pandora's box of God's nature is, is, I mean, it's not really an essential issue. Where do you draw the line, right? Where do you draw the line? Things we would like to know.
2: Right Do now. you think that's that is an essential when it, when we talk about you know unity and the
0: so uh, great question? Do you believe the Trinity is essential or for salvation? He's going to go on and argue. And, and let's be fair to Ruslan; he does believe Ruslan does believe this. He does believe the Trinity is essential for salvation. I'm, I'm thankful for that. But nevertheless, good question to ask um, Tim Ross here. Is the trinity essential for salvation let's
2: see the answer essentials is it unity essentials charity and all things I, I'm, I'm totally butchering that quote <laughs> <laughs> uh charity and all things you know disc- anyway it's, it's it's credited to augustine but it's not an augustine quote but would you say the the doctrine of the trinity is an essential doctrine for like orthodox christianity or would you say you I, don't know? I would
0: say it if- listen listen to this answer Listen to this answer. Is the Trinity essential for, for orthodoxy? I mean, let's see if we hear a positive actual answer.
2: Christianity, or would you say... You I, don't I would
4: say it's a, I feel better.
0: I feel better. No, I mean, notice the... the, the, the Just the appeal right now. We, we're, not, we're not really asking how you feel about it. We're just asking your beliefs, your your doctrinal beliefs about it.
4: With the trinitarian perspective and doctrine yeah
0: well, well that's not an answer to the question he's not but even then he says i feel better about the trinitarian perspective and doctrine well that's not what he asked you he knew you were a trinitarian you just said you were but that's not what's being asked this this is an actual answer to the question i mean we're not to be fair we're not concerned how you what you feel better with He's asked, Ruslan asked you, do you believe it's in the category of orthodoxy if someone rejects it or denies it? Essentially. I feel better with a Trinitarian perspective. That's not an answer.
4: (laughs) And I'll also say I can hold the tension Mm -hmm. of somebody that doesn't hold that doctrine Mm -hmm. and still be able to appreciate Mm -hmm. their fidelity to Jesus Christ. Mm. Now.
0: So. I guess that's some kind of answer. Hey, someone could reject it and he could appreciate their fidelity to Jesus Christ. So you can reject the Trinity. That's no big problem. Um, You know, I mean, he wouldn't split ways with... I would be curious on what he says about the nature of God that is essential. I mean, could someone deny um, the deity of Christ? Could they... I mean, because if the nature of God isn't important. (laughs) uh, Because there's many ways to deny the the Trinity, right? It's not just oneness, right? You got Arianism. I mean, so you have different kinds of Unitarianism, right? There's some people that only believe the Father is God and then the Son isn't. Could someone deny the Trinity in that manner and be a Christian? And you respect their biblical fidelity to Jesus Christ, whatever that's supposed to mean
4: right what i will say this is my observation and you know if this is
0: but notice listen to this reasoning for why he doesn't affirm oneness or his his uh, a a large problem with it (laughs) this one cracked me up because i i never thought of it in this way but it's just funny
4: slanderous to some people that hold a modalist view Mm -hmm. maybe i haven't met you in particular Mm -hmm. but I one of the things that I kind of in a generic sense walked away with from people that had like a oneness doctrine Mm -hmm. they they seem meaner (laughs) and and I think they were so
0: (laughs) I I guess a reason why he you know what I guess turned them off from modalism is because they just seem meaner My friends, that is not a reason to reject a theology or a doctrine. One, again, that's not how you determine if something is true or not. If you look at the proponents and see, oh, these guys are jerks. Sometimes just people are jerks and inconsistent with their theology. Um, That's, again, I mean, one, one can make this argument for a lot of Christians. You know why I'm not a Christian? A lot of them are mean. They're stingy. So you come down a slippery slope when you make this a primal argument, right? This
4: becomes very dangerous. Mean because they don't have a daddy. Oh, ouch. Okay. Like if, if it's Jesus only,
0: well, this, this, this actually isn't a good definition of modalism because they do have a father. It just manifests at different times. And so I, I would be this. This doesn't, he doesn't seem to really know modalism that well, because it's not just the son. They do have three uh, manifestations. They do have a father. Now they baptize in Jesus' name only. One is Pentecostals, but it doesn't seem like he really understands modalism, because there is a father, there is a daddy, quote on speak. But. This has nothing to do with modalism per se. That's what I was very confused listening to this. You know, they're mean. They don't have a father. <laughs> These are I, hey. I am not a modalist, but if I was a modalist, I would be playing this. Do you wanna build a straw man? <laughs> I would be like, bro. That we do have a father, right? So um, they believe. Many modalists believe that the father is the son the son is the father you know there, there's more complex versions of modalism you know when you come into like adoptionism and stuff like that i don't want to get too complex but and all the versions that i've heard all modalists all oneness do have a father so i i, I was a bit confused by him saying that
4: and who's your dad yeah yeah like wow. you, you know what i mean and it's so, interesting how
2: you took that that theological concept and made it kind of practical and, and demeanor you know
4: well uh, you know, I I I did stand up for two years, yeah. and I had humor before I had Jesus. Yeah. And humor, what has always been, humor was the first thing that gave me levity to deal with my trauma. Yes. So before I had Christ and yes. freedom and deliverance yeah. and therapy and yeah. you know yeah, what yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. EMDR. Mm-hmm. If you don't laugh at this, mm-hmm. it, we're gonna stab people mm-hmm. in the chest, right? So, mm-hmm. so but yeah, I just. Feel- I- I mean yeah i I can see how given that the sermons are kind of a joke, so
0: i I can see that background,
4: like I just my history of people that have that view they're a, they seem to be on edge a lot, mm-hmm. and I think it's because they don't have a dad, mm. man, that's heavy, and without a daddy, yeah
2: yeah y- you know what I mean yeah what would you does it when you were there, Potter says but he didn't really answer the question,
0: I mean it's. <laughs> yeah yeah, I like this comment you're still doing stand-up sir that's right (laughs) this is still a joke to you theology is a joke reverence to the son to God is a joke
2: it seemed like he shifted on that because that's how it felt on the elephant room watching that back and I watched it back like within the last year do you think he shifted on that and kind of became more trinitarian even though trinitarians don't don't always embrace him and still call him a heretic. yeah yeah yeah
4: for sure i think i don't i
2: don't think he did
0: uh move closer to a trinitarian position given that his website is still a modalist (laughs) understanding uh it's a modalism it's uh it's still presented on his website i mean if i had embraced trinitarian I probably would have the post. I would probably have that on my front page. Like, I'm a Trinitarian. Don't get it twisted. Like, you know, until people like, okay, we get it, you know, but at at the very least, I would update my belief section, right?
4: Did I think Thomas Dexter, Jake, Sr., if I may officially call him by his full name. Bishop Thomas Dexter, Jake, Sr., is a brilliant mind. Mm -hmm. I think the elephant room was really good for him Mm -hmm. because his mind needed to be with other people who had that kind of intellectual acuity mm-hmm. to stretch mm-hmm. and to poke and mm-hmm. prod, and you don't get that within your own denomination. Mm-hmm. You don't get that within mm-hmm. yeah. people that oh, amen, brother. Mm-hmm. You, you know they're yeah. co-signing on everything yeah. you say. So I thought it was really, I thought it was really good for him. Mm-hmm. And what I saw over the years is that he just didn't talk about it as much. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a point that he ke- he came back and got louder on mm-hmm. one way or another. Mm-hmm. It was like it stretched him and then that ceased to be something that we heard as much as when he came. The oneness yeah. teaching got turned yeah, down.
0: Yeah. Which would be, again, then how do we know you actually affirm it? You, you kind of just said, eh, you kind of you gave kudos to these people. And, and some of the questions that um, The elephant room I think they could have been a little more firmer not only do what you affirm but deny right and so um, yeah again I had problems with that section Um, you know from what Tim Ross was saying about the Trinity doesn't seem to think it is essential for salvation it's not an essential doctrine or a central Orthodox teaching like yeah you could deny the Trinity still be a Christian Biblical fidelity, right? Whatever that's supposed to mean. And so, interesting. That is all I got for today's uh, live, man. This, this, was a, this was a heavy live, you know? But you know, I said today I, I wake up
1: moving. I wake up trying to bless somebody, inspire somebody, encourage somebody,
0: help somebody to the next level. I got time to I got time to I got time. Today. I got time. I got time. I got time today, I got time today to deal with some of these. Teachings, right? <laughs> so I had a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, uh Yeah, very interesting, right? Very interesting. So um hopefully you guys enjoy this. Um hopefully you enjoyed it. Guys, what is today? May 1st, May 1st, May 3rd, two days. The album Social Uh Distortion. <laughs> I almost forgot my album name for a sec. Uh dropping my album May 3rd. So, if, hey, if you're feeling that, go and give your boy a like right now. If you're watching now, go and give me a like. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, yes, I dropped the album. I dropped my album May 3rd. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to uh, just what all that does. Again, it's raising money for the adoption that me and my wife are uh, participating in. That's why I was in Alabama this weekend. I had a good time. I had a good time. That's where I met some good old folks I drove up to after the conference to Atlanta, Georgia, met some good people. Man, I got to meet uh, Standard of True Podcast, April Chapman, Dear Woke Christian, uh, uh, Rick Caldwell, and some people who are uh, who watch this uh, channel regularly. Um, and so it was great to meet with uh, fellow content creators as well as subscribers of the channel. And so it was a good time. We got to do two meetups. I would like to do a Tulsa one and maybe some kind of Texas one. I'll have to figure out where people are in the vicinity. Um, (laughs) Yes. Track one, Brand in My Pocket. (laughs) You know what? Yeah. uh, That's funny. (laughs) That's hilarious. But yeah, I had a good time, man. I'm looking forward uh, to the album, Social Distortion, man. I, I I hope at the very least you guys will be streaming on Spotify, Apple, uh, YouTube, wherever you would like to stream. You would stream the album and support in that manner. Um, um, so yeah, I, w- I would greatly appreciate that. I'm looking forward to dropping it, and we're gonna. I'm dropping the track, not dropping it, right? Yeah, we can do a little question, do a little Q&A real quick. Question. So, explain the Trinity would be three separate persons but one being. That's correct, Tawana. That is correct. <clears throat> that would be a a uh you know, a good summarization of the Trinity doctrine. Need to come to NYC. Hey, I, I would love to come to NYC. Are you in NYC? Hey man, I I I'm, I'm pretty I'm not expensive, but I ain't going to cost 10,000 to get me there. You just like pay for me food, maybe hotel and plane travel. I'm there. And so, uh, I would love to come to NYC, man. Uh, it would be a uh, a blessing. I've never been to New York. So yeah, would love it. Would love to go. Uh, drop it like Tim did. No, we we on all things beyond, dude. This is a kid show. This is a kid-friendly show. <laughs> and so uh we will not be dropping anything you know not in that manner been waiting on an update one's coming soon i did a lot of vlogging yeah yeah it the abduction did a lot of vlogging vlogging while i was at the adoption conference should have one maybe the next uh day or two so for y'all who are keeping up with the adoption williams adoption uh journey go and subscribe and we'll have more um more uh to update things like that so yes i'm excited for the adoption man i'm just excited to man be a father man that's like my it's like my biggest joy like to be a dad man i want to be a dad so bad you know what i'm gonna do with my son man take you to the greek i'm gonna take him to the greek you know he's gotta go <laughs> gotta take him to the greek uh give me gas money and tour Harlem. Hey, I would love it. I would love it. Richmond. Hey, I would love to come to VA. Uh Virginia, right? Cuz there is a Richmond, Texas. <laughs> Not to be confused. I would love to come to Richmond, Virginia. Um would love to meet you. So, hey man, I would love to meet you, man. I love to meet new people and man just fellowship and um man it's it's a joy, man. Just man just to describe, man, it, when we when we went to Atlanta and met up man you have a laugh so hard you just right right here just hurts you're like that back of that head muscle right just right right in there just hurt so bad it was one of those times where you just you're laughing man you just encouraged the fellowship talking theology man it was such a good time and so I was extremely blessed just to uh to meet to fellowship with other brothers and sisters that I I talk to on a regularly, you know, uh, other content creators that i talk to pretty, pretty often, you know? And so, man, for me, it was just a great time. Uh, i I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it was a, it was a good time, man. And so uh, I would love to do something like that maybe year, yearly or regularly where we just pick a different spot, man. And we just have a meetup somewhere and, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll have to see, we'll have to see. You know, we'll have to see. A Paris, uh, Texas meetup. Who Who is in Paris? Who is in Paris? <laughs> I know where Paris, Texas is. Uh, I think that's probably like two, two and a half hours from me. Maybe three. Probably like two, two and a half. But that's funny. That is funny. Um, Yes, yes, we know the gender. Oh, well, I, I take that back. We don't, we don't, we don't. Um... No one is ever in the Midwest. you were in Wisconsin. Hey, we could do a Wisconsin, but you know what? It can't be from anywhere from like October to April. Because <laughs> I ain't dealing with that cold. No way. You ain't going to have me up there shivering and shaking during a meetup. Uh, if you do a Tulsa meetup, hey, let's meet in the Trans-Major. I'm down, man. I am seriously down. I'm only like three hours from Tulsa, so we can do it. DFW meetup yeah we got to do one man we have to do some something like in the Dallas area uh, if people would be willing to do that come the VA barbecue at your house hey hey y'all say the word I'm in VA <laughs> I will love, see I'll, like I said we're, so April thought about the idea and I think it's a great idea that we do a Christian content creator conference you know Dear World Christian wanted to name it C4 Conference, but I say you cannot name a conference. They will, we will be, uh, the FBI will raid the conference. You can't call it C4. Maybe 4C, but not C4. I think that would be a lovely idea. We, do, we can do one yearly where you do like a Christian content creator conference, man. Who would go to, who would go to something like that? Put a one in the chat. If you would be interested in the 4C conference where we have some, and then look, look, we can do some live reviews. At the conference, we can do like a live uh, Mike Todd sermon review, you know, Marcus Rogers sermon review as well as some other uh, content creation, you know, stuff. So do a meetup in Corpus. <laughs> See, that's a good one. Uh, I'll get the venue for the DFW. Cool, cool. Yeah, man. We need to start playing some stuff. When we we'll be back in the B-Hand. Man, you know what? I really love Birmingham. Birmingham was a beautiful city. Lord willing, I'll be back. I'll be back near there in uh, September. Lord willing, because I, I do. I plan on going to um, G three, which is in Atlanta. So I'll be only two hours from Birmingham. What were you? Where, why why didn't you come to the to meet and greet? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. A lot of people would love to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of ones, a lot of ones. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, I would, I would love to do that. Uh, have like a Christian content creator conference, not C four, four C. Kate up to London, Kate up to London. Hey man, I would love to come to London. I have some uh, friends in London. I have some friends in London, and so yeah, that would be cool, man. That would be cool. <laughs> just beautiful. Hey, I'm cool with it, man. His sermons, his sermons are booable, so we cool with it. Uh yeah, man. Go to the London area, man. Uh yeah, to do something. Okay, no problem. I mean, no hard feelings, you know. You know. <laughs> yeah, Lord willing, I'll be back in the area. I'll be in Atlanta in September. Um, that is the plan. But man, there's some that's a lot of good stuff that I have in the future. I gotta kinda keep on the silence. Gotta keep on the down low, you know, but Lord willing be able to share some of that stuff soon. And uh to be able to A lot of opportunities. <laughs> what is my wife saying? Chris thinks he's going somewhere, everywhere. He's not. <laughs> We're going on the Dub Tour. Yes, the Dub Tour. K-Dub World Tour. Let's do it. My wife said, I ain't going nowhere. Um, uh, post the email. theology at Gmail. Let me put that in the chat. Gmail. And by the way, uh, like the All Things Theology Facebook page. Like the All Things Theology Facebook page. Yeah. What's your views on the continuation of the gifts of the spirit? It depends which ones you're talking about. Um, But I think I know the controversy you're bringing up, but I would not be a continuationist. I would be cessationist when it refers to the apostolic gifts of the spirit. But yeah, gifts of the spirit continue. Uh, Love, service is a gift of the spirit. Teaching is a gift of the spirit. And so some of them do continue while some of them do not. That'd be my position. But yeah. My wife said, I ain't going nowhere. Hey, we'll see. We will see. Look, y'all invite me, we'll we'll work it out and make it happen. This is what I say to my wife. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man?
5: Wait a minute. Who are you? What?
0: You know who's gonna make it happen? God did! God did. Right? <laughs> I'm gonna take it to the take you to the Greek and show her I'm going where I want to go, right?
2: <laughs>
0: ah, I'm just teasing. No, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a good time in Atlanta. My wife had a good time. She, you know, she wasn't looking forward to it, but she had a good time. Don't let her. Don't let her see. And, and that's the thing. If I'm going, my wife's coming. You know. So if y'all invite me to virginia my wife's gotta come that's how i do things so you know so now i know she got excited when i said that you know i know she i know she got excited she probably in the other room like you know (laughs) she was like you ain't going if you ain't going to atlanta you ain't going okay you i can come all right i'll come i'll come you know (laughs) she like this perfect okay Okay. Okay. Why would you say that? Why would you say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta do a song to take it to the Greek. I'll have to put that in there for sure. <laughs> Maybe the next album. Yeah, yeah. My wife enjoyed herself. We had a good time, man. It was good seeing some friendly faces that they introduce, yeah, the, first of all, when you introduce yourself, you got to introduce yourself by your channel name. Otherwise, because I don't see y'all faces, most likely. Y'all see my face, so y'all y'all see who I am, you know? But y'all don't, I don't see y'all's faces, so y'all can't just, Kano, what's up? I'll be like, hold on, hold, who, 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 who are you? Right? Uh, you know, funny enough, funny story, I got to tell you. My wife's like, don't do it. We were at the adoption conference. And it happened. Someone was like, hey, no and I was like, "What?" He's like, "Oh man, I follow you on Twitter. Yo, man, I love your content." And so <laughs> my wife's like, "Don't tell him you know him. He's gonna get a big head." <laughs> you know? My wife's gonna keep me humble. My wife's gonna keep me humble, right? And so uh, I need it. I'm thankful for someone in my life that will do that. Um, so yeah, uh, if you ever meet me in person, please introduce you yourself by your channel name. So because that might. That might recall a, a like, oh, okay, uh, Susie Q, oh, okay, I know who you are, you know, although I, you know, I've seen her face, but, you know, some of you got Mary M.M., okay, got to introduce yourself, <laughs> maybe i was spark a, you know, okay, I see you in the chat a lot, okay, I know you, all right, you're, you're cool peoples, right? <laughs> yeah, and so, I enjoy meeting new people, um, fellowshipping good time good time Thank you all for joining. We're going to end it right there, y'all. I had a good time today. Uh so yeah, till the next time, y'all. You know how we do it here? Grace and peace, Grace and peace y'all. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Hey, till the next time, y'all. Grace and peace.